0: Kevin Clark, we know what defense does. It wins championships. And while I'm not ready to call the Jets or the Browns Super Bowl teams yet... Those two defenses did hold down the two undefeated teams in the NFC on Sunday. And in a season where we had the Dolphins score 70 points and the Cowboys start us off with a 40-point game, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to see these sort of throwback defensive teams (laughs) dominate the NFL just yet. So what did we see this Sunday? Was it more of a throwback Sunday or of a trend where maybe some of these offenses are a little bit figured out?
1: Um, I think that it's a little of both. I think that both of these teams are thanking their lucky stars that both of these defenses don't have a quarterback on the other side of the ball who they'll see in late January that would ruin their seasons. Um, I think what we saw is a Browns team and a Jets team that have a floor that is extremely high because of their defense. Now, what that means for them, uh, especially given their their limitations on the offensive side of the ball, is nine wins, ten wins, a playoff spot, something like that, but not elite football. Um, But what I think we saw today is that some of these uh, higher powered offenses have a a ceiling, I guess you could say. Um, And if they run into the wrong Jim Schwartz defense, which we can get into, um, or just a front seven with the jets i mean the jets were playing without their top two cornerbacks it didn't matter Um, Robert Sala now has held Patrick Mahomes to a 63 rating, Jalen Hurts to a 60 rating, Josh Allen to a 62 rating. Um, This is a trend. Quarterbacks against that Jets front seven struggle. Um, The difference is they don't have a quarterback who can keep them in every single game, so it doesn't matter. But at this point, we know what the Jets are. It's a team that's going to bring it and make quarterbacks' lives really hard every single week. And you can say the same thing about the Browns.
0: Six weeks into the NFL season, and there are no unbeaten teams left, leaving us to wonder if there are questions to ask about the QBs leading the two favorites in the NFC. Meanwhile, in Cincinnati, all we can do is wonder when their quarterback will be back to normal as Joe Burrow continues to work through a calf injury that's affecting his escapability and, unexpectedly, his confidence. So we talked to Kevin Clark, host of This Is Football, to tell us what he saw out there this week and explain why the leash on Mac Jones may be longer than any of us expected for good reason. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Monday, October 16th. This is ESPN Daily. So you mentioned trends here, and I would say the most shocking statistic that sort of made its way through the NFL today was the Jets had never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles (laughs) in 12 previous matchups. Like That just sounds like it was an error, but that was the case until Sunday. They had a late fourth quarter interception Mm -hmm. to put the Jets in position to score the go-ahead touchdown. They won 20-14. to Let's start with the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts, there. He had three interceptions, including that late one that was absolutely critical. What did you think of him throwing the ball there in that spot?
1: First of all, Lane Johnson is one of those valuable players in football, um, the, the, the tackle. And right. he had not given up a sack in his last 2,423 snaps, Okay, <laughs> dating back to week 11 of the 2020 season per pro football focus. He leaves the game, and guess what happens? There is pressure galore. I think Jalen Hurts was struggling with that um, throughout the second half. But on the other hand, like... Two of those picks, it was just him throwing it late or him throwing it um, when he had all the time in the world. and Maybe either, either sensing pressure or just adjusting. Um, these were passes that were just off. Um, what did I think about the decision to throw? Um, I think it was the type of throw. I think they could have provided him easier, maybe check down options in that spot if he was sensing the pressure with Lane Johnson out. Um, I thought it was just kind of sloppy play, sloppy play calling. Izzy, um, I was disappointed. I will never harp on a team for being aggressive. I love passing when you're not supposed to pass. Um, I don't love the idea of just kind of going in. I mean, I'm, I'm a, uh, a University of Miami graduate. I'm a Mario Cristobal uh, advocate. <laughs> I'm okay with trying to go for the win even when you have it sealed up, um, going for an extra win. Um, and so I think that just generally, um, I don't hate the decision to pass. I just maybe wanted a couple more safety valves in that spot.
0: Might be a little too soon on the Mario Cristobal jokes uh, still. (laughs) But you mentioned Jalen Hurts being a tad inaccurate. It seemed like there was a lot of pressure on him throughout because he was also their leading rusher by 29 yards. Eight carries for 47 yards for him. So what else went wrong with the Eagles offense? Is it something to be concerned about?
1: I mean, listen, it, it was so funny. I, I, I do a show, This Is Football, and I got a listener question last week that kind of cut to the heart of this, which was, were the Eagles going to be the, the worst 17-0 team in history? And I think that was the way Eagles fans were kind of approaching this, right? Um, mm-hmm. They were unbeaten going into this Sunday. Um, they, you know, could have won the Super Bowl very, very easily last year, and yet it just feels like they're maybe a more flawed team than they actually are. I think that they're gonna get right. I mean, like Devonte Smith, if you saw the the kind of Madden angle, I guess you could call it, of the last interception, he was gonna be open if Hertz made it uh, made that throw in time. And so it's all about timing. They have a new off- offensive coordinator, the new defensive coordinator. This stuff was always gonna take a while. Um, I don't necessarily look at this and say oh my god the eagles are about to head south or whatever i just think it's it's a couple of just sloppy things they need to clean up um i believe that they'll get there and i think listen as we said earlier like everybody the top quarterbacks in football are all struggling with the jets right now i think this is a little bit of a blip on the radar
0: yeah you mentioned devonta smith he had a couple of drops on chunk potential plays in this game too so things they could easily clean up Coming up, a
2: logjam emerges atop the NFC. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
0: All right, Kevin, let's go to the other NFC team that came into Sunday undefeated. The 49ers, they fell to the Browns 19-17, to they missed a 41 yard go ahead field goal with seconds left on the clock. And Kevin, we just felt like we got past the is Brock Purdy good enough or is it the system discussion?
1: Well, uh, I have some bad news. If you didn't like that discussion, it's back, baby. Mm. (laughs) And not only that, it's maybe uh, more hot takey than it was before because we're going to get to see without potentially Trent Williams, who left the game, without potentially Christian McCaffrey, who jogged to the locker room. Um, Debo Samuel was ruled out over the course of the game. Um, And so we're getting into a situation Izzy, where it might be Brock against the world which is going to maybe uh invalidate some priors I guess you could say Twitter is going to be a buzz about it I kind of can't wait to see it but I also want to see the Niners at their their full sort of high octane self and hopefully that gets back to that sooner rather than later um I would say that the Browns defense made a statement and I'm not a huge statement game guy but when you hold the 49ers to 215 total yards Um, That's the fewest amount they've gained in the regular season since 2016. At this point in the season, this is the third fewest yards allowed to this point in the season uh, for a defense by any team in history. Since the merger. Wow. This is a historic defense. In an era, by the way, Izzy, we weren't supposed to have historic defenses. And all of a sudden, we're looking at the 1971 Baltimore Colts. 1970 Vikings have allowed fewer, and that's it. Um, this is a deep defense with Jim Schwartz, who is running the wide nine. Basically, what that does against Kyle Shanahan is it, it kind of sets the edges and takes away the outside run. Um, but this was a, a, a shellacking defensively. And you saw Brock Purdy. Basically, we put on an island and, and and forced to beat the the Browns, and he couldn't do it. Um, and I don't think a lot of quarterbacks could do it this season. So this is not a right. Brock Purdy discourse point. Um, it's just a matter of this was probably a, a growing experience for the Niners. And if they're healthy, if they have better clock management, uh, we might be talking about a different type of game.
0: Yeah. And so you mentioned some of those health scares, but it felt like the biggest scare for 49ers fans— is finding out hey maybe Brock's not as good so what you're telling me is this Cleveland defense is historic and that hey maybe some of those inaccurate passes maybe some of that uh, maybe some of those decision makings maybe even the ball slipping out of his hands is more a product of the pressure that Cleveland was bringing and not so much Brock Purdy not being able to handle it
1: well y- yes Brock Purdy is Pretty good. And he is the product, like most quarterbacks have ever lived, of the supporting cast he has the surrounding elements Um, by the way this was a bad weather game Mm -hmm. Um, but I have some good news which is that they're not going to see the best defense in the NFC remember the Jets and the Browns are in the AFC the reason they're not going to see the best defense in the NFC is because they have the best defense in the NFC Um, and so if you're saying to me Brock Purdy is going to falter when he plays a defense like this in January well he's not going to do that If, if the worst thing you can say about Brock Purdy right now is that he Falters in the face of elite defenses, that's a nice problem to have. Because the debate yeah. a couple of weeks ago and a couple of months ago was he's no good. He can't do anything outside the system. He can't play out of structure. He's answered a bunch of those questions. I do not think he's Joe Montana 2.0. I do not think he's Tom Brady 2.0, but I don't think he's Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0. And, and there's a lot of daylight between those two things. And I've been impressed by Purdy over the past couple of weeks. And weirdly, I was impressed today, even though we played a clunker of a game, just because I know how good that defense is, and there's just not a lot of guys who could do anything against it.
0: Y'all, you, sir, are easily impressed, if you were impressed by that performance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was an awful game. Um, I'm not saying that uh, I'm coming away feeling better here uh, about Brock Purdy. I'm just saying there's a lot of quarterbacks who would have played poorly, and in that vein, uh, he is a normal quarterback, which is kind of what we always knew in the Brock Purdy discourse.
0: Now, you mentioned Jim Schwartz, the Browns' defensive coordinator. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's now 0-3 against Schwartz's defenses. They normally score 10 points less per game against Schwartz than against anyone else. You mentioned the 215 yards today. That was the fewest in the Shanahan era. Is there much to say other than Schwartz has Kyle Shanahan's number?
1: I think Kyle, by the way, would be very pleased you only did the 0-3 as head coach because as coordinators, mm-hmm. I believe it's 1-9, and nine. Um, against Jim Schwartz, Jim Schwartz has his number. This has been a mismatch historically. I mentioned the wide nine defense, which basically sets the edges, takes away the outside run. But I think the most important thing, and reading some of the quotes from this week, because people have been been asking Kyle about it and asking Jim about it, the biggest thing that Kyle said was basically they rush the passer and ask questions later. Um, and I think for a timing based offense like the Niners, that can be very, very disruptive. When you have Miles Garrett, Dalvin Tomlinson on the back end, they've made huge strides. They're healthy right now in Cleveland. I think that's very important. And so um, I think the ability to just get guys in the backfield and then, as Kyle said, read everything else later, um, I think that can wreck a game. And that's what we saw.
0: How badly do we think these injuries are going to hurt them in the immediate future?
1: I felt a pit in my stomach when I saw the tweet that Trent Williams is in a walking boot. And I don't know what that means. That, that could mean a whole lot of different things. That could just mean we don't want anybody to knock into him in the locker room, uh, or it could mean he, you know, a couple weeks out, or it could mean more than that. He wasn't on crutches, it sounds like, but still, that's significant. You don't put a walking boot on for nothing. I, I'd much rather have, and I know that sounds crazy and, and reductive, but I'd much rather have McCaffrey Hurt, or Debo hurt than Trent Williams. Hmm. I just think Trent Williams is just so crucial to what they do, the timing, keeping Brock Purdy upright. He's one of the very, very few irreplaceable players uh, on, on these NFC elite teams.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying this week is going to be a huge week in terms of how these reports come back on Trent Williams and the rest of the injured 49ers. But I want to take you back to the team that actually won the game, the Browns. They were nine-and-a-half-point underdogs. They had P.J. Walker at quarterback. Uh, Deshaun Watson missed his second straight game with a shoulder injury. Do they need Deshaun Watson back? And what can they be if he ends up being a decent version of himself?
1: It's a big question whether or not he's going to be a decent version of himself ever. He has not really shown that Um, in his best game as a Brown. He had a viral throw where he threw the ball backwards while being sacked. Mm. Um, there has been no good game for him. Um, the contract is as bad as anything that's ever been signed in sports, let alone football. However, if he's average, 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 I'm talking like you know, literally just doesn't turn the ball over, um, makes a couple big throws a game, and and that's kind of it. Doesn't take many chances. This team can win 12 games, something like that. I'm a little weirded out by his injury to begin with because Hmm. the reporting around it is very strange. There was almost no information floating around. Then all of a sudden, he's out. That was two weeks ago. This week it comes out he could miss multiple more games because the Browns wanted to be pain-free. he like, we've both been around sports for a long time. We've both been around quarterbacks for a long time. I, there are going to be many quarterbacks who are very surprised to learn you shouldn't play with some pain.
0: Yeah, pain-free is very seldomly a requirement to hit the field.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, I don't remember hearing anybody ever say after about week one of the season that they are pain-free in an <laughs> NFL game. Um, so I don't really know what's going on. The entire thing has been kind of kind of a black box of information. Um, but what I can say is that this Browns team and the defense and the what I would say is a mixture, a marriage of scheme and talent um, is going to have them in every single game. And it doesn't take much from there to steal four or five games going forward. Um, that 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 you shouldn't win, you shouldn't be in by rights because of, of the, the talent on the offensive side of the ball, and all of a sudden you're a playoff team.
0: Yeah, I mean, if the question is, can you win without Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb, I guess beating the 49ers might be a good way to answer that question, right?
1: <laughs> yes, I'd say.
0: All right, coming up, more on week six of the NFL with Kevin after the break.
2: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Anejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: All right, Kevin. The Steelers, they were on a buy this week, but the Ravens were in London... And they came away with a 24-16 to 16 win over the Tennessee Titans. Probably should have been easier than it was. They put up 360 total yards of offense, but they couldn't get it done in the red zone. Justin Tucker had one of those games where fantasy fans are very happy somewhere. He had six field goals, probably won a handful of people games just with that. <laughs> uh, but why is this Ravens offense struggling in the red zone?
1: Well... The Ravens' offense generally is a good news, bad news proposition because the good news is there's normally a fixable problem. Last week it was drops. This week it was the red zone and some disjointed operations there. The bad news is that it's something different every single week, and you Mm -hmm. just start to wonder why there's this inconsistency here. I'm starting to get a little baffled by this because the things I heard coming into this season, they're going to open it up. It's going to be like the Louisville offense. We're going to see all this stuff. We just haven't seen it. And they feel it feels like they're out of ideas in the red zone in particular, because between the 20s, they're very, very good. And their stats today are still really good. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, I think, uh, had over 200 yards in the air, 50 yards on the ground. He's done that now 24 times, and then four times he'll set the NFL record for having done that. Um, Cam Newton currently holds it. Um, I think that Lamar is still capable of doing things that we've never seen in a football field before, and we see it over and over and over again. And maybe it takes a couple more weeks for Todd Munkin to understand in the red zone what Lamar should be doing, but I know Lamar is better than this. Um, And I I just, it's frustrating to me because I think he's a Super Bowl MVP type of talent every single year, but it takes, it takes a lot. It takes personnel around him. Um, Not everything's going to be like that 2019 season. I understand that, but like, I just feel like there's a disconnect where every single week something is going wrong. This should not be happening. This should not be in dogfights with teams like the Titans. Make it easy, and it starts in the red zone.
0: Okay, Kevin, um, I am not Kevin Clark. I do not have an NFL podcast of any sort, but... <laughs> I watch Lamar Jackson and say he might not look like the guy that I remember being as dynamic as he was when he won the MVP. I watch the Ravens and I don't say to myself, hey, Todd Munkin needs to step it up. I say, hey, if this offense still needs time to develop and open up, then Lamar Jackson needs to use his dynamic element to make this offense good enough. And while you can say it has been good enough, I mean, they're four and two, the numbers are there. It doesn't seem like he is either prepared or willing to be that dynamic force throughout the game. So I have two questions. One, is that more of a game plan to keep him healthy? And I guess the second question as a follow up on Lamar Jackson is, are you sure he's still capable of all these great things?
1: Uh, yes, I'm sure. It was interesting because um, one of the te- Texans players in week one, and they barely beat the Texans in week one. We didn't know how good the Texans were back then, so it seemed like an odd result. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the Texans players said that after Lamar signed his contract, they thought he would stay in the pocket more, um, which is counterintuitive to me because I would feel like here's a guy who got generational wealth guaranteed. Why doesn't he go play play his style? Yeah. I wonder how that develops over his career. I think that, I mean, we've seen that a little bit with Jalen Hurts too, um, where he's not taking off as soon as he would maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, Um, how you navigate a season. And this is not, I mean, every quarterback deals with this. It's funny. I I remember talking to Brandon Bean uh, a couple of years ago about Josh Allen and how Josh Allen almost goes out of his way to, to take hits. That's his style. He loves it. And the front office doesn't want him to do it. And, and, and Bean said that he will he will not get on Josh Allen for a bad interception, bad pass, bad decision, but he will if he goes and tries to truck Kyle Van Noy. He did in Miami a couple of years ago. Um, and so I think there's probably more, when you're dealing with a $200 million quarterback, there's probably more pushback about, hey, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? I mean, everybody talks about the tush push, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the tush push puts a lot of stress on a quarterback's body. And what happens if he gets you know, nicked up on one. Um, and so I just think that that's putting yourself in that situation in October and running and all of that stuff. I think it's a much bigger decision than just does Lamar want to do it? Are you saving yourself for January? Are you eking out the wins now? I don't know. This is not a Lamar problem. It's just the problem of modern quarterbacking, which is how much punishment do you take now versus how much do you try to save yourself and try to do it on February 11th when it matters the most.
0: Kevin, I haven't been here every week to discuss NFL here on The Daily, but I'm told Joe Burrow being back is a common subject, and we are going to check in on that again today because they had a really good first half, the Bengals did, against the Seahawks, and he completed 13 of his 15 throws for two touchdowns, uh, three for three against pressure in that first half. But then in the second half, Bengals only put up less than 50 total yards, and they escaped with a 17-13 win over the Seahawks. What changed at halftime for Joe?
1: He's not back. Oh, oh I got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. Um, it's it's a hard thing because the calf has limited him in so many different ways. But then you saw in the first half he had this unbelievable escape from pressure. Yeah. Where I mean, I'm not even sure with a healthy calf I've ever seen him do anything like that. He looked like damn Lamar Jackson in 2019. Um, but then on, on some of the it's just bad timing. Um, I think that he's a feel player, almost like a golfer, um, where I think he just gets in these rhythms and he can't get out of it and he has seven or eight just really, really hot games. He's not there yet. Hmm. Um, he and I have talked about this quite a bit about basically vision is his most important attribute, and that's a really hard attribute to get, lined up with the rest of your body. Um, And and I think that if you have the calf and and you can't buy yourself time, you can't read the field, you can't scan. He was looking at his first read too much and and not not his fourth read. And the best thing about Joe Burrow is how good he was on his fourth read. But I think the most significant thing is that the defense carried him against a really good Seahawks team. Um, They had four different players generate at least six pass rushes, uh, pass pressures rather, um and the Seahawks had four trips in the red zone in the second half They came away with three points. Um, this is a really good roster, and I think sometimes that gets glossed over in the Burrow discussion. I just think this is a stacked roster, and I think if there's a bridge here, and it's the Bengals' defense winning them games while Joe Burrow gets back to health, and I believe, listen, they've got the bye. Um, they can get some momentum here. Again, the AFC is not the conference we thought it was. There is a pathway, which two Mm -hmm. weeks ago I did not believe there was.
0: Yeah, well, you thought maybe he had found his rhythm, especially with Jamar Chase uh, after last week. And, you know, he did get Jamar six for 80. But you say it's basically a rhythm thing. So T. Higgins won't just get targeted a few times in the future. He'll be more in the mix once Joe Burrow can actually see things a little clearer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't really put a time element on it. Um, I don't gamble on football, but if I knew exactly when Joe Burrow was going to start seeing the field like he did a year ago, I would certainly put a bet down on that. Mm. Um, But I I think it's, for him, it's almost like a great point guard, is he, where the stories that not only he's told me, but Jamar's told me where he'll intentionally underthrow a pass because it's double coverage and he knows only Jamar will understand how to catch the ball in the air and be able to read it like that, um, how many called shots he has. I would say that more than anybody in football, confidence is Joe Burrow's game. And I think if you have such a huge ingredient missing, as, as two working calves are, um, then I think that you, you lack that. The biggest concern for me, which doesn't appear to be happening, is that he wasn't going to figure it out until week 12, and by that point, the Bengals might be out of the playoff race. The way the Bengals' defense is performing and the way the AFC is performing, I really do think they'll make the playoffs, and it's anybody's guess.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I thought he was looking like himself when he was scrambling around back there, but I I get the connection there. He's just not back to his normal self with his pieces around him. Uh, Kevin, did you see the end of the Patriots-Raiders game?
1: I saw way more than I should have. <laughs> I honestly I saw way I like I, I had that game on as like my only game for the first half like I I don't I am morbidly curious about what's going on with the Patriots. Uh
0: Mac Jones uh had another oh kind of eh performance. He had an interception, no touchdowns, 200 yards. Um what are we looking at with Mac Jones? Is there an era? Is there an era to be over?
1: There is an era um just because of what he represented. He was a first-round pick. He dropped in the draft. He was rumored to be the third overall pick. He dropped to the middle of the first round. And this was going to be Belichick's guy. This was going to be the guy he was going to ride into the last chapter of his career. At points, it looked like that was the case. His rookie year, he looked very good. All of a sudden, Belichick hires Matt Patricia and Joe Judge on the offensive side of the ball, and things start to devolve a little bit. Um... This is not going to work. Mm. Their next two games are against the Dolphins and the Bills. I don't know who is getting any enjoyment or even wants to continue with the 1-7 and seven Patriots team, which I do believe. Like, even Belichick with his... Even if he's like, you know what? I I, I got this file folder of great ideas. Here I go. Um, it won't matter. Mm. Mac can't score points. His defense isn't going to be able to stop anybody. Um, Christian Gonzalez looked like he was going to be the next special piece on defense weighs out for the year. And so at some point the only thing to talk about is Bill Belichick's future. Um and I think that it's funny, I'm going to about to say the most morbid thing in the world, but there's a uh old coaching joke about how you can't retire because after you retire there's only one life event left.
0: Mm. Ouch.
1: This is not about that. But once you bench Mac Jones, there's only one thing left to do and that's talk about the future of the coach and so mac getting benched i feel like is maybe gonna there's gonna be a delay because once that happens and they go to either bailey Zappi or this is rumors about malik cunningham um once that happens you're kind of tied to this being a lost season and then robert Kraft starts saying hey is bill belichick gonna going to be our coach next year. I did not believe that he would get fired, like straight up fired, Hmm. but I also didn't believe this season would be this bad. Josh McDaniels is a bad coach. I don't know who needs to hear this. The Raiders are not a good team. Um, This should not be happening. You should not be struggling this bad with this Raiders team. By the way, Brian Hoyer, a quarterback. Like, I just, uh, (laughs) one of the Patriots beat writers literally tweeted just like, now they're even losing to Brian Hoyer. Like, this should not be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't know. We're in such unprecedented times with the Belichick era. I just don't know how this plays out. We haven't seen anything like this happen since Don Shula 30 years ago. Yeah. I mean, we can't even
0: marvel at quirky special teams plays like the ones he had against the Dolphins, where that guy came in really late and blocked a punt. Like it was it's all the type of things that Bill Belichick just likes to have fun with, and he can't even have fun during this season.
1: It's horrible. As someone who, again, I don't necessarily care about any team, but I just appreciate what Belichick has done for the past 25 years. It breaks my heart feels that it feels like he's out of ideas.
0: Well, Kevin, I'm definitely not out of ideas. There's a lot more we could have talked about. But I would say ending with Bill Belichick and some mortality talk is probably the way to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, let me tell you something. Once, uh, if Belichick's getting to the end of his coaching career, that means we're very, very, very old, Izzy. he? yeah.
0: Me older than you. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily.